Welcome to the third episode of Breakdowns for Breakfast. Good morning to uh, to go. all of you. Yes, I'm sure you're going to be able to tell I'm the one that brought this album forward because I am wearing my Thornhill shirt. I did I, I did see them live. I saw them with I think they were yeah opening with uh, Holding Absence. That usually bands are better on tour than at a festival, but they were better at a festival than on tour. I really didn't enjoy their solo set, but they were also coming off of being sick, so that could have been part of it. Um, Thornhill, Silent Planet, and, um, oh, hell, who was the headliner? I, I don't know. It'll hit me later tonight and when it doesn't matter anymore. But <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I, I love this band. They're not like my top rated band, but the album we're going to talk today is their album, The Dark Pool, which is hailed as their debut album. And I don't see it as their debut album. I see it as their first full album where they set out to actually record a full thing. Because if you look it up on Spotify, you see they had been actually releasing, uh, you know, material before that in uh, the version uh, in, in the form of EPs or, you know, singles and things like that. Real common thing these days, releasing one song, two songs, and then here's four songs like, and, and then when the actual quote unquote debut album comes out, they've already got a track list of 10, 15 songs on streaming. Well, I think you've got a couple of different things that bands can do. And in the age of digital, you know, uh, digital media, where it's a lot easier to upload stuff online as we do with this and the is for podcast and all, it's a yeah. lot easier for bands to get their music out to the public, but it's a lot harder because there's a lot of, you know, material out there, a lot of substance to go through. And, you know, so when you find a good one, hold on to it. But, you know, then you've got your bands that are, you know, start out as cover bands and then end up going big, like uh, Our Last Night and Fame on Fire. And their their actual material is good, but they were actually really great live. I was really surprised at how good they were. I went to just go see Rain City Drive, who opened for them. And I was kind of, you know, I would like to say blown away, but... Pleasantly surprised, more of. But this episode is not about them. It's about Thornhill's quote-unquote debut album, The Dark Pool. So, do we want to start with thoughts on the album? Overall thoughts? Sure. Um, okay. And and you're you're a bigger fan than I am, so I'll, I'll go first and give my sort of um, how I kind of got into them because I had heard of Thornhill uh, a couple years ago. Um, and just, I didn't pay a lot of attention, but then in 2022, when they released heroin and they were releasing some singles off of that, just my YouTube algorithm just would, you know, recommend those songs. And I really, really liked it. It's, um, the best way I can describe it. And we'll get into some of the things on the dark pool too, but on heroin, they sound like the the natural progression of like the killers or the cure. It's like the genty new metal version of 80s synth pop in a lot of ways. That's not really the case on the Blackpool, but no. on heroin it is. No, um, I feel like the I feel like the Dark Pool is a eighties uh electronic metalcore album in short. So I've I've come up with this term. Okay. And I think this is a cool term. New gent core. Okay. Okay. It sounds I can't one hundred percent get behind it, but 
but support your argument. Your your. When statement. I was listening to, so I say all that to say, I heard heroin before I heard the dark pool, and if I had to pick one or the other to listen to, I would pick heroin. I like I like their where they went on that one more than this one. This one to me, I I, I come up with the term new gent core because to me it sounds like periphery or archetypes meets the cure meets deftones. Like those are the things that I'm hearing the most of that. And they are huge fans of the stranger Things soundtrack. They there are no denying that yes. matter. Of fact, I, I, I think this is proven on the first track of heroin. Cause it's called the hellfire club. Okay. So I, I was like, see, I didn't I'm know that crazy. I've heard that album, but I didn't know it was the first, the first track was called the yeah. hellfire club. I mean, stranger no, I things like, is a great TV show and great oh, music. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it falls right into that eighty cent thing that we were just talking about. So it 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 it's on brand. Um, well, you've got but, your you've got your eighty synth and your eighties yeah. pop synth and your eighties dark synth, and, yeah. and and those are two similar but very different things. You know, one's they Madonna, are. one's The Cure, and and I think that they embrace more of that on heroin and a little less of the chuggy riffs that are on this one. That's fair. That's fair. You know, I, uh, I do have quite a few thoughts about this album as I'm sure that you, you could guess, Yeah. but you know, okay. So I'll say this album actually feels lyrically like it was written from the outside looking in at a character like Oingo Boingo. I was listening to, um, an interview with Danny Elfman and he was talking about all of Oingo Boingo. He wrote as a, a character and, you know, he was creating a world within all of their songs and their albums. And then he's got a new project that is a lot more personable. And, yeah. uh, and this album feels kind of like that. Like the, the words all feel like they are, the lyrics all feel like they are about somebody else and something else, not necessarily personal experiences that this guy had. Um, a, a couple of them kind of hit a little bit in, but overall it does feel like it is much more. And actually the first track views from the sun is uh, a, about a world, you know, two about two lovers, you know, one leaving the planet, and then it's actually truncated in um, later in the album, where it's a, a lover leaving a planet, leaving their person um, on Earth, where you know the world's being destroyed, and so you know it, it, there does seem to be a lot of characterization in it, but then you know not a lot of personalization, but that does change at certain points in it, so. What I will say about this album overall is certain certain songs actually pair together more. Like the, I feel like the album flows, but I feel like certain songs pair together, but then certain songs actually feel out of order. You know the, uh, yeah. Um, you know I I talk about it later, and I'll go ahead and jump into it now. What I feel like is, uh, what's the last track? Hang on, I gotta look at it real quick. The song Where- uh, Nether Place, which is. Uh-huh. Sorry, uh, where we go when we die? That's uh, no, last- that's that's the last one. But the song before that, Nether Place, yeah. the yeah. slow instrumental song, feels very out of place to me. And I feel like it could either just be like uh, half the length and an interlude, or just left off altogether. So Agreed. yeah, it it just I don't feel like it really it really fit there, and I don't feel like it really fit the feeling of anything else on the album. Uh, so the truck, the track listing does feel chunky to me. Yeah. And, and I've brought this up on pretty much every episode and I'm going to continue to do so. Cause it's just, okay. how brain 
records. I find certain segments of records are like, that's the sweet spot for me. Like yeah. sometimes it's the back half. Sometimes it's the front half. Sometimes it's track three through eight, like whatever right. it. Um, and for me, this one felt, uh, I full disclosure, the first two songs are like right up my alley. Right. Um, yeah. When the first song kicked Views in. Views from the Sun and Nurture. Yeah. Yeah. So Views from the Sun, when it first kicked in, it, it felt sort of generic to me, like that kind of riff, like that archetypes, periphery kind of riffs, which are cool, but it's like I've heard other bands do it. But then when he comes in with that almost falsetto, clean right. vocal, as opposed to the what you're expecting, I, I loved that. Like that's, I prefer that style of vocal. And then Nurture, I mean, that's just like a straight up banger. Like so, the, well, so we'll go ahead and jump into talking about Views from the Sun and Nurture. Okay, last thing on. is though, that after those two songs, I don't feel like it ever gets back up to that. Like I feel like they start to slow it down a little bit, and as the the record progresses, they do come back up, mm -hmm. but it never comes as to me at least, it never clicks as well as it does as on those first two tracks. See, I really feel like this album really ebbs and flows and it's like when it drops, it drops down fairly far and sometimes it feels on purpose and sometimes it definitely feels by accident, but overall it definitely feels intentional to me, you know, if, an intentional accident, if you, if that makes any sense. So, all right, views from the sun. got that it does start with a very atmospheric electronic tone you know yeah and then it kicks into a thicker guitar riff where it just all of a sudden makes you go oh okay yeah and then the the chorus is very catchy and uh it really gives the vocalist a chance to kind of stretch his muscles uh his vocal cords and he you know gives clean vocals and it's it, i think it fits really well it's just a really well written piece overall and i had the same thing with you where that first song really just really gets me and it i think that's the first song on an album is an important thing to me but sure. i don't feel like this should be the first song on this album honestly i feel like this should be like a uh three or a four but it, it starts with like kind of a ramp up and then it it goes but i will say so I saw a quote from the singer, Jacob, who said it was written kind of in a way uh, as a final letter to someone watching the world die from the sun. This was going to be a video, actually, but we decided not to because it was the first track. It was sending a message to someone who made it off Earth before the sun came crashing into the Earth. It was kind of a love letter. This song actually connects to human. So, you know, kind of pairs with it. But as an opposite letter to someone who was on that planet. Uh, so it's between two lovers from the earth and outside the earth. It's their anger about being left behind to die, but also just describing the events that are unfolding, which I kind of felt like was a cool way to kind of look at, 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 a, at a song at a, you know, which I'm a fan of the story of albums and songs and things. So, there are certain songs and certain bands where the lyrical content jumps out at me and I focus on those things. And so far on 
other than the Finch record, Pulse Ultra and this one, the lyrics, other than a few things here or there, the lyrics didn't really jump out at me. There's nothing Granted, lyrically that jumped out at me either, but it was overall, story, I thought it was fun. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Yeah. I, like I said, I like the first song. I think it's a good setup. Uh, it sounds familiar. Like, kind of like we talked about in the Pulse Ultra episode, when you've got a genre of music that a lot of people are getting into, you see a lot of other bands pop up that have similar sounds. Mm -hmm. And to me, this is one of those bands that has a lot of those similar sounds. Right. And I think, and, and we'll get into some of these other bands on other episodes, but like, I feel like you either see them live or you see a video or you hear something that, okay, this is the band that I like from this genre. There's these other three or four that sound very similar that I, that I don't like as much. This one speaks to me more. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, especially on this record. So I will say I had never heard of Thornhill before seeing them live. I, yeah. Um, God, I wish I could remember who it was that we went to go see. It's going to kill me. Um, wasn't the show home team was it no no that was home team broadside and this wildlife um okay which i never heard uh the home team or broadside before that i just was a big fan of this wildlife and then going into it i was like ah this you know uh broadside's yeah. not great but the home team is a lot better and then what seeing them live i was like they are awesome i love all these bands now i love that that home team record that's oh absolutely so i know you talked a little bit about the uh, the second trap, Nurture. And the the only really things I have to say about that is I, it starts off with a heavy drum presence that yeah. you, you can't ignore. The guitar riffs are nothing less than captivating. You know, the guitar work on it is, is just chunky and good you, you can tell from the first song that these dudes got chops they they can oh, yeah. riff play yeah. um they never get super technical but nurture is almost a simplified version of what they do on some of the other tracks right it's the kind of song that like i'm i'm a guitar player but i'm i'm don't claim to be very good but like just i've heard enough songs with those similar kind of riffs that i was like I could probably pick up my guitar and play that. And that's not a bad thing. That's just it's the same as when a song like the chorus gets stuck in your head because of the vocal melody. Yeah. That that song kicks off with a riff that is very like gets stuck in your head. And I as a guitar player that doesn't write a lot of lyrics and melodies, I like when guitar or rhythm or whatever gets stuck in your head just as much as like the vocals. Work. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the thing that really jumped out to me about that second album is it had what I felt is um, a gut punch breakdown, you know, yeah. towards the end of the song. And I love a good breakdown. Hence, you know, uh, I that was what I thought of when the name of our show came forward. So the uh, OK, so the track listing that I told you that kind of jumps out at me at, in, yeah. in albums, uh, three was one of those. So I do want to talk about three, the haze. So it does have a long intro, but it does have a heavy guitar undertone the entire time, 
which I enjoyed because it I felt like it was just kind of setting up the drums that come in with, you know, this like driving beat that quite honestly, the first time I heard it and up to the last time I heard it got me pumped. Like it, it's one of those songs to me, like the front side of the song is a lot better than the last part of the song. Last half it, the, the, the song gets me, gets me energized. And it's actually something I've gone to a couple times now, like just the beginning of it, just the, the first half of like, okay, we're going to listen to this and get some energy going. This is the section of the album that I kind of, don't check out, but like, I can't even tell you what this song sounds like off the top of my head. Okay. Like nothing, nothing stuck with me on this one. And I feel like we've talked about this before, you know, three is one of those tracks that should be like a single, like should be like a super memorable song. And apparently it was to you and you've, you've it's, lived with this record a long time. You know, I basically I just crammed it in my brain four or five times in a row for for this show so certain things you know if if i sit with this album for a few more months you know certain things will stand out to me more but i i just i remember i didn't like his voice as much on this one as i did on some of the other songs okay and i will say when it comes to this genre of you know I, again i like my phrase new gent core i think that's yeah, cute that's fine. um one of the aspects and you hear this a lot in deftones records especially some yeah. of their ones is the shoegaze element. Mm -hmm. Yep. Never been a fan of that. Never. Like I like it when a band is shoegaze, is a shoegaze band, but I don't like it when bands put a shoegaze element of things into their albums. So for me, tracks three, four, and five here all have a shoegaze element to them. And that aspect of the songs I did not like too much. Now track five, In My Skin... like it starts that way for just a brief second and i remember the first time i heard it i was like uh please please do something and then it pops up and it's almost like a pop punk beat to begin the song and i'm like okay okay i'm, ba I'm back on board for this one i like in my skin was one that i i liked a lot more okay so i did want to actually uh jump on something you were talking about before where you're saying that they're big fans of the stranger things soundtrack yeah because yeah the while there was a few of those you know those tones and and whatnot throughout this album the one thing that really jumped out to me was the beginning of red summer definitely has that that 80s synth, the um, which actually made me think of sleep token as I kind of went about things and as I've listened to sleep token more, I hear more of that in there in their stuff. I definitely, I definitely would see sleep token and Thornhill together. Like that would make perfect sense on a, yeah. on a build because they both, I, I will say this about Thornhill that I do respect is I think they, they slot in nicely with those bands that I keep bringing up. Yeah. But I also think they are one of those bands like sleep token, like issues, like, periphery they're they're not rigid in the genres that they are like 
at, at no point, I, I can't imagine at any point these guys are in the studio and they go, nope, we can't do that. That that wouldn't fit. We can't do that. It's let's try it. Yeah, this will be a weird thing to try. Let's do it. Like I don't think they're confined by any sort of genre rules. I gonna disagree with you because I don't think that they've ever been in the studio and been like, hey, and like the guitar player comes forward like, hey guys, I worked out this great country song. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I I guess if you want to go to the extremes with it, you can. But I just mean like. You know, for example, Sleep Token just released a new single. Yes. And it's no instruments hardly at all. It's yeah. almost all a digital beat and vocals. And that sounds really strange next to the Vore or next to other Sleep Token songs that are the polar opposite of that. And I think that Thornhill does a lot of that too, where, you know, you can have an, an ambient shoegazy, you know, predominantly ambient shoegazy song right before or after something like nurture where it just bounces and grooves and is really heavy like at no point are the guys like no we can't that's that's not gonna fit like yeah we'll just clam it all together and it'll fit like you know <laughs> so okay i'm going to actually amend what i said before i like it when bands are either all shoegaze or they're not but if they're not a shoegaze band if you're going to be influenced by it be influenced in a way that doesn't become an a major predominant part of your songs yeah, I get that and, you. I I get actually within you talking. I've been kind of thinking back on it. I get that you have some of that in this album, but I actually think that there's a lot of things that get misplaced into different genres, mainly a shoegaze genre that doesn't exactly belong there. Or is it that shoegaze is a bigger genre and a bigger sound than we actually knew? Just because it has that element to it, I don't think it is a shoegaze sound. Does that make sense? Well, yes. I will say that for some people, I can imagine on songs like some of the ones we were just talking about, when it gets to those parts, it feels very atmospheric. It feels yes. very windy. Yeah. It it was boring for me. Like okay. I wasn't, I wasn't encapsulated in any kind of mood or, or vibe. I was sort of waiting for the next because I knew it was coming. I knew that a minute or two from now, they're going to go to some weird off tempo chuggy thing. And so that's a little more my speed. So I was just kind of like hanging in there until those parts came in. Whereas other songs, and this is just a preference. Like yeah. I said before, yeah. I think like that's all we, that's all we do here is just preferences and opinions. Right. Sure. And and so for me, like there's other bands that I would kind of lump in the same genre as Thornhill that I just like the way they do things okay. a little bit better than the All way right. these guys are doing it. But I totally get it. Like, I see why this would be something a lot of people would, would gravitate towards, for sure. So speaking of the waiting for it to to pick back up, so what I get from you is, there, so is this album was really good and waiting. <laughs> it was, it was so, those two things. Okay, so then, so as the as the I, I like I said, I did like track five in my skin, and then six is that two minute interlude, uh, all the light we don't see. And I remember thinking when I first heard the song, I was like, this feels like the middle of the record. And I think that what happens next is really going to determine 
if I'm getting bored with this or if they're going to bring me back. And I thought that I literally put in my notes, it's pretty, but it makes me hope the next song is really important. And then Lily and the Moon starts. And my first note is coming in hot. Right. <laughs> And so, and I, the perfect move at that point on the record. And so, I kind of feel like actually the um, the first uh, Red Summer. Oh, what was it? I got it written down. So, Red Summer should have been pushed back on the album, and paired with all the lights we don't see. Because if you actually listen to, um, if you skip in my skin, and in my skin is one that doesn't really pair with another song. So, so track one, track three, Red Summer. The way that it ends kind of leads into All the Light We Don't See, which reminds me of James Mabe's uh, first book, All the Lights in the World. But anyway, so I feel like Red Summer, All the Light We Don't See, and Lily and the Moon should be all paired together. Yeah, like, and, and that's one of the biggest criticisms I actually have of this album is the, the songs feel out of order. Um, I also feel like the haze would pair well with it. You know, I, I just I feel like they wrote the album more in a way of like they wrote this the these songs all that all go together and then they were like, Well, this isn't a full album. We need to come up with more. And so they kind of spaced it out. And I don't feel like that was a good move. I feel like it would have been a better listening experience if you just heard the whole thing all the way through. Because yeah. you're right, all the lights we don't see does have a long, slow intro. And then Lily and the Moon instantly punches the album back up, just instantly, just, you know, fast guitar, just a heavy drum beat. And then it's got an incredibly catchy chorus. And I think it is uh, one of the standout, if not the standoutest track on the album. I, I put it I put it in the top three for sure. That that was one. And I think because it comes after the the two minutes of, of really slow kind of, you know, it that did work. You know, I mm -hmm. think whatever you put before all the light we don't see can be altered. But I think coming out of that into Lily and the Moon worked really well. And then we get into some more stuff that just never didn't really stick with me. Yeah. And, um, and that's where I feel like it's kind of out of order because it's like the yeah. like the next like two, three songs kind of have a very different feel overall. Yes. And I will and, say, uh, looking at my notes here. One thing that I do remember is Coven. I didn't love the song, but near the end, there's this breakdown thing that sounds very Mick Gordon Doom soundtrack, yep. which I'm all here for. I absolutely love that tone and that polyrhythm and everything. But then, yeah, human. I, that that whole section there, like Coven, Human, Nether Place, like, I don't know. Like, those two songs, Coven and Human, are both fine. But so they're not doing anything we haven't already heard them do better on previous songs. So I, I actually really enjoyed human 
But the part about human that really stood out to me was that it starts with a slow, what sounds like a hollow drum to me. Yeah. Like it's just a very echoey, you know, uh, open drum. And then the drums don't let up the whole song. And yeah. I actually went back and listened to it and it's like, it just stays a, a constant thing. Uh, the drums, like the drum volume kind of drops at one point, but the drums, the, the beat is still there. And it's like, like the guitars kind of drop out at one point and it like the song doesn't lose its momentum for me. It, yeah, remember, it does keep I, moving along. I remember thinking the chorus was really good too. Mm-hmm. I remember it pretty hooky and, and pretty big. Um, one thing that I did notice on a couple of earlier tracks and, and they do throughout the record that again, especially if you're a drummer, this is probably a lot of fun. But for me, I've heard songs like this before where the guitar is really simple. The bass is really simple. But then the drummer is doing some sort of weird snare tom pattern. And for me, that's not enough to keep me like into it. Like to me, it's still kind of slow and blase. If you got a good vocal melody, you got good lyrics, the song is working in other ways. I don't I don't hate it or anything like that. But I did notice there are times where the drummer is not overcomplicated. But you can tell he's very technically proficient too, yep. and he wants to do more than just play a straight four four, which is cool. And you can hear it on the album, and you could definitely tell it live. But the drummer is—it's almost like the rest of the band recognizes the drummer needs a little bit more room to breathe, <laughs> and yeah. and is is a star to shine within the band because it was like they the drummer was a little bit better lit, and he just <laughs> he did more. And he got a he got a fairly good solo live, and it was good. You know, I I really enjoyed the drums on the entire thing. And I mean, some albums guitar really jumps out to me. Some albums uh, the bass jumps out. Sometimes the drums jump out, and sometimes the lyrics jump out. And this is one where the drums really jumped out to me, especially well, not especially. Excuse me, all of them really kind of collide together on the last track. Where uh, where we go to die, or where we go when we die. Which is the the bookend to the album, which is a compliment to the first song lyrically, which I don't feel like it should have be like that, but I do like an album like this to have a heavy bookend to yeah. end on a heavy note. So the intro is nothing short of compelling and caught my attention. The heavy breakdown just a little over halfway through the song just made me go, Oh, that's, that's some good stuff. I like it. I like a good breakdown. Of course. And I feel like the song itself, either musically or lyrically, lyrically definitely does, but you know, it just, it kind of calls back to different points in the album, which I think is fun. Yeah, I, I think the last song is an amalgamation of a lot of things we heard on earlier tracks. But I, I, I put that song in the same conversation as the first couple songs. Like, I think it's one of the better songs. I think it's one of the more interesting songs. Being last, I, I do think it's interesting with as moody and atmospheric as some of this, this album gets. I do think it's interesting they would end with a song like this as opposed to something a little more slower and moody. I would have put this higher up in the track listing. I would have put something uh, maybe like Coven or Human or something at the end. Hell, even like 
nether place. could have ended the record with something like that you know what i mean so i feel like nether place actually should have been just flat out either cut short or or merged or left off you know yeah i I don't feel like it really fits at all and especially when you go from a slow instrumental like what feels like a well-written piece of music yeah but not for me but you go for this like slow instrumental thing to this like driving heavy just you know thunderbolt crotch punch of of a song and if i ever start a southern rock groove metal band what was that thunder crotch punch uh thunderbolt crotch punch thunderbolt crock i can't even say it i like it so much (laughs) that's a i'm here for it i uh I just have these like these random things I say in our episodes of stuff. And you're like, that's, that's an album. <laughs> um, so, so, so go on. Well, I was just going to say one other thing that we talked about, there are aspects of this album that I think work better with the headphones on. I think that a lot of the nuance will get lost if you're driving around in your car, listening to this. Whereas I can already think, an episode we're going to do here uh, coming up soon, I'm going to probably feel the exact opposite on that in the car is probably going to feel real good and in headphones just be okay. I can't remember who it was, but I have an album and in the album, it, it's a live album. I'm going to have to go back and figure out who it is. Cause I got like three different bands. I think it might be, but it says this album is not meant to be listened to through headphones or on good uh, speakers. It's meant to be listened to with at least two blown speakers at 60 miles an hour with all the windows down. Yes. I know what you're talking about. Damn it. I either have that or have heard that same thing. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll we'll figure it out later. So Um, go on with what you were talking about with this album and headphones. Yeah. I do think it sounds the, the heaviness is more powerful and then the atmospheric parts are more moody um, and nuanced with the headphones on. I don't think it's a terrible record without it. Like, you know, I've listened to some of this with computer speakers. I have decent computer speakers, um, yeah, me too. And, and, you know, in the car. And it's it's still good. It's still definitely, you know, especially songs like Nurture and Where We Go When We Die that have those like heavier moments feel good when you're driving, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah. I, I would recommend headphones for this one for sure. So again, heard them live for the first time. Loved I bet fun live. Oh, they, they were, imagine. they were a lot of fun live. I mean, I left with a shirt and I don't buy a shirt yeah. for anybody that I see live. If I feel like they deserve it, then they do. And they're also from Australia, which is actually, actually says on the shirt. They're from Brisbane. Oh, my things. Okay. Brisbane, Australia. <laughs> Yeah. So. See, and I will say I've noticed something over the past few years. I actually posted this on Facebook. Um, well, it's probably been a while now. A lot of my bands that I've becoming more interested in over the past couple years are not American. No bands like um, Electric Callboy, Sleep Token, Hot Milk. Like all these bands are from London and and over in the UK and stuff. And I just think that they're not as bound by like rigid generic genre rules and they're not they're allowed to be a little more avant-garde and i think this is a, a good example i can see why people would want more of this so sure. on the the headphones aspect i 
I don't think this is an album that's necessary to listen to through headphones. Like you were talking about, you listen to it in the car, you listen to it through your computer speakers and, and you enjoyed it both ways. And then you listen to it through headphones and you get a different experience. And I will 100% agree with every part of that. I listen to it all the same ways. I will add my phone to it, um, you know, while doing dishes and stuff. I just play it on my phone. But I think it's, I think you can thoroughly enjoy the album through speakers in an open space. But there were a lot of little uh, nuances and little things that happened in headphones that didn't happen through my speakers. And so I don't think it's a headphones required album, but I do think it's a headphones benefit album. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I'll give me that. I give you that. Uh, is there, there anything else or you want to kind of give final thoughts? So this album, I think shows that we should pay more attention to the music scene out of Australia for sure to go along with what you were just saying. And uh, Sputnikmusic.com said uh, this album put them on the map as one of the fastest rising stars in the metalcore scene. I don't agree with the fasting rising, fastest rising stars part of it, but I do think they are definitely a rising star that needs to be paid more attention to. So I don't know if I call them metalcore. Uh, kinda. They have, it's, it's just one of those things that's in the mix. 80s electronic core. New gent core. New gent core. Okay. I'm not going to stick I, with the gent part of that, but I, well, let yeah. me just say new as in any W not in you. No, as in in you. See, I don't know. I don't. I don't get that. You don't hear any sort of new metal vibe on Nurture at all. I think maybe it's because the new metal influence kind of is so broad that I don't totally hear it. I also think that there's when people hear the term new metal, some people immediately go to poppy, fun, happy, limp biscuit, rolling, rolling, rolling. But then other people go to dark, weird, sick, wait and bleed, slipknot. And it's like both of those fall under the quote unquote category of new metal in some respects, but All they're right. also completely different. Com Ow. Completely different. And I will, I'll save my full new metal opinion breakdown for yeah, a we'll new metal album, um, an intentionally new metal album. All right. So I will give my, my closing statement. I, uh, I always try to write kind of like a overall review of like my thoughts of the album, which about a five, I, six sentence little closer. <laughs> it's a little more than five or six sentences, but well, well, this is a more important album to you. Yeah. So fair enough. All right. So Thornhill almost created a masterpiece. This album is full of songs with each giving something different. The album should change its expectations in and out of the scene. You know, I, I think it's, this album is an album that should have influences outside of just the metalcore scene, which is the scene that, that they fall into. So though I do feel it could have been mixed better, it's kind of dirty and reminds me more of the way things were recorded and mixed in the late 80s and 90s uh, outside of the more of the electronic stuff in the late 80s in a garage and by the band. This album should encourage bands to do what they do and not always try to be somebody else and not try to imitate influences and have a more cleaned up album for release, which makes me ask, do I like this album so much because they were not afraid to do that? This is a band that aims to put their live sound on the album. And I feel like that's what they got out of it, what they did. And so overall, I do give this album an 8.3. It's not, it's not a super high album, but it is an album that I do thoroughly enjoy. I keep forgetting that you're doing like the, the weirdest of fractions. Like, yeah, I would, Probably a point five, but you're going in the point threes. And hey, yeah. man, no, um, 
I I do think there are going to be some albums, and I I feel like we should maybe revisit some of our ratings because as we go on, there's oh, going to yeah. be albums that it's like I would actually rate this the same, but I wouldn't put it on the same level as that previous album. So you know, and I think also there's going to be times like, and and I'm going to give you my overall thought here in a second. There's a sentence in here that I'm going to say that six, eight, ten months from now might change. Fair enough. And you know, and to your point, we come back and think about it again, and you give it a different number. You know, so, so we'll we'll have a revision episode where we revisit a few old albums that we want to adjust. Yeah, something that like sticks out and was like, yeah, that that would be fun to, to revisit something. But we're only on episode three. We've got plenty more to go. Hopefully, before we need to do repeats. <laughs> Ho- hopefully, we got plenty more to go before people start asking us to stop, or start telling us what they want to hear us talk about. Which. Yeah. Hey, I'm not opposed to that. That's always fun. I'm um, not either. If you got one so, of those, please send it over to dangerandsarge at gmail.com. This is under the Danger and Sarge head, or banner umbrella. So, okay. Because we That's are fair. danger and monster. Yeah. So, okay. So kind of to, to wrap up my thoughts, um, I enjoyed this record. I found myself grooving with the first tracks uh, more so than later on in the album. I love the first couple songs and then it just sort of meanders. There's nothing on the back half that quite grabs me as much as the first couple songs did, but I did really like the last track. Not an album I'll probably revisit very often, but there are a few tracks that had some cool moments that I, I was glad I heard. Um, and I'll probably listen, slap Nurture on a playlist for my own benefit. And I will give a shout out to the album after this, Heroin. I, I, again, it is a very different sounding album to this. I prefer it. Now, what's interesting okay. is I think if you listen to these back to back, Heroin is a softer record. It's a much slower record. It's a much, it's still got a lot of the things that make this record cool, but it's a different vibe for sure. And typically speaking, I would probably prefer this one, you know, overall to something like Heroin, but there's some about the songs on there that speak to me a little bit better. Um, they just seem to go ahead and embrace that 80 synth pop a little bit more. Um, they still have some of the genty weird time signature stuff, but it's not as high on the priority list. I think with the songwriting, um, it's gives me a lot more the cure and tears for fears vibes than this record does. Um, and and his vocals work better for me with that than it does here. I really um, haven't given that album much of a chance, so I'll I'll do so. I've given this album much more of a of a play. Yeah, I, I would recommend it. I think it'll take a listen or two to actually like get into it because it is so far removed from what this one sounds like. Um, but I, I, as far as this one goes, as far as the dark pool goes, uh, I think it's good. I liked it. I'm glad I listened to it, but it's not one that I'm going to go back and listen to very often. Mm-hmm. I give it a six out of ten. Okay, that's fine. That's uh, that's fair. And it just came back to me. I actually saw Thornhill with uh, Kane Hill, who I did not think I was going to. Yeah, they were great live. I did not. I didn't like their their recorded stuff, but they are fantastic live. Um, uh, and uh, Dayseeker. So yeah, it was a it was a it was a fun show. I've 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 seen so many shows. I get them mixed up. So. Um, I will give heroin a, a listen. I'll give it a, a more, more of a try, a more earnest try. This album does stick out more to me. 
and I think it's just because, like I said in my closing, I do like the. It doesn't sound polished to me. It does. It sounds dirty. It sounds like it was some guys that recorded it in their basement, in their garage, something like that, and they did it themselves. And I like that. And and you're exactly right. Heroin is much more polished. Yeah, it's a more. It it's almost like they took what they did on the dark pool and said, "Let's do that." But clean it up and make it a little bit more of a pop record, and so it still sounds like Thornhill. They don't yeah. sound like two different bands, like some records, some some bands do. But I do think it sounds very different from okay. one another. All right, I'll check it out. I'll give it more of a chance. But uh, this is an album that I come back to. If you don't come back to it, that's fine. You know, it's I, I'm not going to control your listening. So yeah, <laughs> I'll listen to Future a few more times. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh, the uh, the standout tracks on this to me were The Haze, Lily in the Moon, Red Summer, and Human. Nurture was not a standout to me. I did enjoy it, but it didn't it didn't it didn't grab me. Yeah, I, I would say um, for me, uh, hold on, pull up my notes, make sure I get the names right. Uh, Views from the Sun, Nurture, In My Skin, and Lily in the Moon. Okay, we we got Lily in the Moon. Yes. that one for yeah. sure. That one that one will make it. Uh, the rest are. And I did like uh, where we go when we die. I kind of like, I sort of forget that one's coming. And right. so when it gets there, I'm like, oh yeah, I at least it ends on a more positive note for me. And the nether place really makes you forget that you're about to be smacked in the nuts. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Okay, so what are we listening to next week? So next week we're going to listen to a underappreciated gym called Attention Please by 90s alternative rock guys, Caroline Spine. Now, these guys had one hit, and I say hit very loosely. They had one song that got a little bit of radio play on the like alternative radio stations back in the 90s. But then when they did their follow-up album, Attention Please, it got a little weird, and it did not take off. But it's one I go back to all the time because it's just so neat. Like There's something about it I really want to talk about. So I did pull up this album and I wouldn't say it was a hit. I'd say it was a light slap. It's it. uh, Yeah. This album did nothing. Like I don't even think most, even nineties alternative rock fans, the average one does not even know this exists. So but that's what I'm here for. I want to, I want to change that. Right. Right. So we will get into Caroline's spine next week. I don't have a full opinion of that album yet. So, you know, I've given it one playthrough in the background and that's it so far. You know, so we say we're going to listen to it next week. No, we're going to listen to it all this week and then and then dive into it. So, all right. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Good morning. Good evening. If you go to the third shift, you know, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Later.